Hello and welcome to Madison Church Online. My name is Stephen. I'm the lead pastor at Madison Church and I'm so glad that you are watching or listening or joining us at live.madisonchurch for our services on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Over the past several weeks, we have been in a teaching series, a study that we're calling Making Sense of God. And uh, during the series, we've been exploring God together with one another by asking the really big questions that people have about faith, Jesus, God, the Bible, and spirituality. There are no easy answers to these really big questions that we have about God, but they're hard questions that we're going to talk about here in church at Madison Church. And as we've said every single week, the goal of this series is really to explore God together. It isn't to convince you that there's one right answer or that we have the right answer or that what we believe at Madison Church is the right way to believe or the singular way to believe. It's not that at all. We just want to come together and be a, converse, uh, a faith community where we can have these difficult conversations with one another. We're not going to shy away from life's big questions. Rather, we'd rather talk about them. And today I'm continuing the series by talking about the question, is Christianity too narrow? Is Christianity too narrow? Our culture has increasingly responded by calling it for more um, religious tolerance. And to most of us, that does sound pretty good. More religious tolerance, who wouldn't want that? Um, I'm sure you've seen these coexist bumper stickers on the back of a Prius or 10 here in Madison. It communicates to anybody who can read, uh, let's just get along. Can't we all just get along? I mean, what works for you works for you, and what works for me works for me, and why can't we just be humble and kind and everything else will work itself out? Um, and while that's a popular bumper sticker now, I mean, they are everywhere. It's not a new idea. It's not a new mentality. It's not a new dream. It's not a new vision. That isn't something that we're just so woke in 2020 or 2010 that we've come up with this actually 50 years ago. As a matter of fact, 50 years ago, John Lennon writes a song about this very concept, a song I'm sure many of you know, but I wanted to read a few of the lyrics here to tell you guys about what John Lennon sang about. He said, imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do, nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can, no need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. I believe that all of us, uh, especially Christians, should do our very best to not be divisive, to not oppress others, to live lives that don't hurt people in the world or the world. Those aren't my ideas, though. I mean, you can't say, well, that's Stephen, that's some great ideas. Those are the ideas that the writers of the New Testament, that Jesus himself taught. He taught us to be inclusive, to be diverse, and to be about equality. And there's no doubt in my mind that this world would be a better place if Christians embodied those values better. Okay, And yet, all of that said, we have to come to grips that there are some real differences um, that we have between faiths. There are real differences. And 
those differences, I believe, have consequences, real consequences for a person's life. And not just life now and how we live now, but really what happens after we die and what's that life like post-life. Um, for these reasons, I think that we should pursue truth first. I mean, no matter what you believe or what you came in today believing, it is really important that we pursue truth above all else, um, above what's inconvenient, above what's unpreferred. And we seek truth unapologetically, even if we don't like the answers that we get to. Coexist is a nice idea, but it does come apart really quickly if it turns out that what we believe or what we don't believe has permanent eternal consequences. John Lennon's dream for humanity may turn out to be a nightmare for humanity if there's an eternal separation from God and other people based on what we believe or don't believe or what we do or what we don't do here on earth. And so we do a series like this one, Making Sense of God, but also other series. We did a series a few years ago called Who Needs God? That's available on our YouTube channel and podcast. But in these series, Who Needs God and Making Sense of God, we ask big questions because we do believe that they have and what we think and what we do here on earth does have an eternal consequence. It may not be the truth we like. It may not be the truth we would pick for ourselves or for the world if we were in charge. But nonetheless, we've kind of come to this conclusion that there is an afterlife, there is an eternity, there is a God, and we covered those topics a couple weeks ago. And so what does that mean? But today we're asking, is Christianity too narrow? And let's recognize as we're talking about Christianity being too narrow, the people who are here with us, if you're listening or watching or um, what have you, there are some people who fully support the whatever works for you movement. A Pew Research Institute study found that 52% of not just Americans, but American Christians think that at least some non-Christian faiths can lead to eternal life. So let's just acknowledge that I know that you're out there, that you think that Christianity is a way, not the way. Okay, I'm glad that you're here with us. Also, we need to recognize that there are people here who adhere to a different religion, something different than Christianity. Um, and I want to say I, I'm glad you guys are here as well. There are some really good and fantastic things that we can learn from other faiths, from other religions. And I really believe that a lot of people, um, and particularly Christians, have shortchanged themselves um, by not listening to others and by not learning from others who act, speak, or have different practices than us. And I hope that you will think about that. If you don't agree with me, think about that and wrestle with that. But we really can learn from other religions. And, and I've said all that, but there are also significant differences between religions. For example, um, Orthodox Judaism says that a person has to obey 613 different commands to please God, and ultimately pleasing God will get you into heaven to be with God. So for Judaism, Orthodox Judaism, obedience to the law is the path to heaven. It's similar but different than Islam. Islam has five pillars. The five pillars, to me, sound a lot more doable than 613 commandments, but the five pillars are still about how you and I and other people will work our way into heaven. Buddhism has the ultimate goal of reaching and or achieving, rather, nirvana. And one gets nirvana by uh, working toward an elimination of all desires. Once I eliminate all my desires, I can get to 
nirvana. Hinduism says that people work their way into heaven by becoming one with Brahma. Brahma is this all-prevailing force of the universe, and that's achieved by living a moral life. And we live over and over again. We reincarnate until we get it right, until we live that moral life. Now, you'll see that those are some, it's a very simple description of some of the world's major religions, very simple, but you will notice that there were a lot of differences. There were a lot of things that made each faith unique. And while they are very different in that very simple presentation I gave you, I think we can say that there were a couple things that they do all have in common. For example, each of these religions provide their own unique path. What makes them different is also what they have in common. They each say that this is the unique path to God and eternal life. Each of these religions um, are narrow then in that sense, that it's narrow in the sense that there are guidelines, restrictions, and or specific directions that differ from each other, Um, whether that's you have to eliminate desires or you have to obey certain commands or do certain things. Each of them say this is the way to please God and to get into heaven or nirvana, or whatever it may be. And another thing that they have in common is that each of these religions teach that it's all up to you and your effort, okay? So, they do have different paths, but each of them have in common that it's about obedience, eliminating desire, attempts at a moral life. These other religions teach that it's really up to you and your ability or your failure to hit the target which will determine where you spend your destiny. In a word, these other religions teach that to achieve the things, the goals that you want, it's about doing. Most other religions are, in fact, about doing. Do enough and you're in. And uh, it's about how hard you work. And if you do enough, you'll get eternity. The other belief systems put everything on you and me, on other people. If we do it, We'll get it. And when we work hard, we will be accepted. And certainly, again, I just want to state that that was a simplified explanation of some other faiths. I'm boiling it down. And in a minute, I'll give you a simplified version of Christianity. I'm not trying to build straw men out of other religions so I can put them down easily. That takes uh, really no effort or intelligence at all. And so, I'm not trying to do that. But I am trying to say that when we look at these faiths and we boil it down to maybe what they are at their simplest forms, there are some key differences and key commonalities. Um, I think that it's important also to note, in addition to that, that each religion has followers who don't follow very well. Each religion, each faith, each belief system has people that do not embody at all what the religion would teach. Okay, so um, for example, it's a very, very, very small group of Muslims who radicalize and become terrorists. Most Muslims are peace-loving people, okay? So they do have a little group, but that little group should not define the rest of the faith. In the same way, if not in more cases, in Christianity, we have people who manipulate our faith um, for their own personal gain or for monetary reasons or whatever. And so it's really important that as we're talking about Christianity today and is Christianity too narrow, that we remember that when we're talking about Christianity, we're talking about people who follow Jesus, people who follow Jesus with everything in life and in death. Um, Everything in Christianity hinges on what Jesus said, 
who he claimed to be and what he claimed to do and what he did, his actions. And a Christian is supposed to be someone who takes Jesus seriously at his word and follows him as Lord of their lives. A person who puts his or her faith in what Jesus has said and what Jesus has done. Now, of course, none of us do that perfectly, okay? None of us do that perfectly, but a Christian is somebody who comes to the table with these things in mind. Jesus is my Lord. I am to follow him, constantly die to myself, and live for him. Now, what is it that Jesus has said and done? That should probably be the next natural question. Jesus boldly teaches that he is the only way to eternal life with God. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus states he's the way, not a way. Jesus claims to be the truth, not just a truth. And Jesus says he is the life, not a life. Jesus then makes Christianity narrow when he claims to be the exclusive connection between sinful humanity and perfect, holy God. Maybe you weren't expecting me to say that we're in a series making sense of God. Is Christianity too narrow? And and you were expecting me to dissect it and say, no, it's not. It's really not. And here I am halfway into this, and I'm saying Jesus makes Christianity narrow. He commands his followers, follow me, I am the way. And in doing so, Jesus makes Christianity narrow by today's standards. Now, While he makes it very narrow in our standards, he also at the same time makes it very wide. He makes it accessible for people, you and me and and others all over the world. It's possible to reconnect with God because not just of what Jesus has said, but what Jesus did. Sin had separated us from God. I mean, we've all messed up. None of us have lived the perfect life. We've all hurt people either intentionally or unintentionally. And even though we're sorry, sometimes the bad things that we do have permanent consequences, okay? This concept we've talked about a lot, um, drinking and driving is a mistake, but you may get into a car accident that severely hurts or injures you or someone else. It may perhaps kill someone. And even though you say, you know, that was a mistake, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have drank and drive. There were permanent consequences to your decision for doing that, okay? Whether intentional or not. And so we've all messed up at different and varying degrees. All of us have turned our backs on God and all of us follow our selfish desires more often than any of us would ever want to admit or come to terms with, um, This is also a concept that's written a lot in the Bible. Paul writes in Romans, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. No matter how hard you or I try, and let's admit some of us, we just did not try very hard at all. But no matter how hard we try, uh, we all fall short. And yet God loves us so deeply it's quite profound. Um, Jesus comes and he lives the life we should have lived. He dies the death we all deserved now. He overcomes death with the resurrection, giving everyone equal access to him. And so that's what I'm saying when I'm saying that Jesus says it's narrow because he claims to be exclusively the way to God. He widens it. It is open for every single person. Anyone can come to Jesus. It's not just a certain nation. It's not just a certain people, but it is open to everyone. It's kind of like this. Um, If eternal life with God is over there 
and we are over here and in between us and in between God is this giant chasm. What every other religion is teaching is how to get over the chasm to God. So um, we attempt to keep the rules to get to God, like Judaism says or Islam says, we're going to do that. We're going to eliminate desires as Buddhism teaches to get to the other side. Uh, Hinduism, we're going to live a good and moral life to get over there. And all of these attempts, um, I think that we mostly come up short with. And what happens is, is that Jesus looks at the chasm and he says, instead, I, God, will come to you. You see how that's different? Every other religion is teaching you how to get to God. But in Christianity, God says, here, I will come to you. God comes amongst us. He lives amongst us. He shows us what God is like because Jesus is God. And when the religious leaders see him and the threat to their power systems, he comes face to face with the ugliness, the ultimate rebellion of human human hearts and people. He was sentenced to die. He was tortured and beaten and hung on a cross where he bled to death. And he was willing to do that, lay down his own life, dying on the cross, because of how great his love is for you and me, because he wants everyone to find him, because he wants everyone to be with God and in God. He wants everyone to be in the kingdom of God in the next life. He offers us this at no cost to us. Remember, the other religions do this, this, or that to get to God. In Christianity, God says, You're not going to be able to do that. Here, I will come to you. And then he walks us over to be with him forever. Paul says that this way, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we accept what Jesus has done for us, we are forgiven. We just need to accept it, that we are forgiven. It's like getting a gift. We need to not reject the gift, but with open hands, gratefully take that gift. When we receive that gift that Jesus has for us, we are gifted an eternal life with God. It is all freely given, which I know it sounds too good to be true. Anytime someone says something is free, we know it's not. They want something. I just don't know what it is yet. But in this case, God is giving us a free gift. This is what I believe is most unique about Christianity in addition to God coming over to us. Whereas the other religions say, this is what you need to do to get to God. And it's about doing things to get to God. Christianity says it's all about what's been done, what Christ has done, what has already been done. Christianity isn't about doing. It's about what has been done. No matter who you are, rich or poor, black or white, male or female, gay or straight, and everything and anything between, Jesus came for you. Is Christianity narrow? Yes. Jesus says he is the exclusive way to life with God in the next life. But it's not too narrow because it's radically inclusive, because it's radically widened for anyone to come to him. The invitation of Jesus, the most radically inclusive invitation ever given. The doors are wide open. Entry is not based on your qualifications. It's not something that you've got to do, something you've got to say. It's freely given to you because of God's grace. You can come exactly as you are. 
when you put your faith in Jesus, he said, well, when you put your faith in Jesus, what he said and what he did, you can begin to experience eternal life, not just then and there, not just after you die, not just when you get to heaven, but right here and now. And this is super important because eternal life isn't limited to something that happens after you die. God is with you here and now. You don't have to walk through this life alone. You don't have to be lonely or isolated. Life is tremendously difficult, but God says here, I will go through that life with you. And that's a little bit of what Sarah talked about last week when we were talking about pain and suffering. God is with us. Now, I want to end on this parable here. There's a parable that Jesus talks about in the New Testament. I'm sure if you've been to Madison Church before, you've heard me talk about it, but it's the parable of the lost son in Luke chapter 15. But what you may not know here today, or most of you I imagine wouldn't know, is that there is a Buddhist version of the same story. The stories, both the one found in Luke that Jesus tells and the Buddhist story actually begin the same way. There is a father who has a couple sons. One of the sons disrespects his father, leaves home, chases after his own burning desires, lives wildly, blows through all of his inheritance and the process hitting um, rock bottom and deciding to return to the house of his father. And here's where the stories begin to get different. Let's start with the Buddhist version. In the Buddhist version, the son comes back home. He stumbles to his father's house and he is welcomed back. But he's welcomed back as the lowest servant in his father's house. He's the lowest employee in the house's food chain. The son's job that his father gives him is to shovel excrement for 20 long years. And for two decades, for 20 years in this, parab- in this Buddhist parable, the son shovels feces until he's finally accepted into his father's house again. It's about doing. In Jesus's version of the story, when the son is coming home, the father sees the son approaching from far away and the father takes off running to his son. The father says, here, I'll come to you. And when he reaches his son, he embraces his son. He kisses him. And the son offers to work for his father. He says, father, I've, I've sinned against you in heaven. I don't deserve anything, but will you please take me back as the lowest servant? The father says, that's ridiculous. No way. You're my son. You are home and we are going to have a party. It's about what's been done. One parable is about doing to compensate for your mistakes. The other story is about what's been done to compensate for your mistakes. Jesus came for us and he did all that was required to create the way for people to connect and reconnect with God and each other. Every single person on earth can know God through Jesus and live an eternal life both now and later. Is Christianity too narrow? No, I don't think so. The life, death, and resurrection is exactly what the world needs. And Jesus gave it to us. The gospel goes far beyond the notion of mere tolerance. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to meet requirements. You don't have to do enough to get in. It's not about tolerance. It's about acceptance. Jesus invites all of us to find our way back to him. And all we have to do is accept what he has done, accept what he has said. When God runs to us, let's embrace him and kiss him as he welcomes us back home.